so um, we're at the end of the day. We survived. You all survived. Well done. Um, I've really enjoyed today, and I kind of I, everybody who's come off have gone. That was a great present, but they were great presentations. Um, I'm going to start with you, Adam, because you're the homeboy, <laughs> and uh, you know Prague. Um, and what's the scene like here? I mean, is it developing? Are you seeing coffee get better in Prague uh, and in you know, Czech Republic as a whole? Is coffee improving? I hope it is. Um, I said it to I think maybe in Seattle that. We, we have a big advantage that Czech Republic is in the middle of Europe. So we get influences from all sides. We can learn from all sides. Like, I mean, we can take some tradition from Italy or some quality from Northern Islands. Uh, Northern Islands, sorry. Sweden is an island. But, uh, but Northern countries. So that's good because we, we try a lot of different coffees, a lot of different roasts, and that keep us like open to all possibilities to the coffee. One thing I've noticed in my short time here, there seems to be quite a German influence on the coffee scene here. Um, how do you fit, I mean, is it just because it's neighboring or do you share lots in common with the, that, that German market that's also growing? Uh, I think it's partly that they are close to us, so the shipping and everything is much more easier from Germany. So it's just to save money, that's all. It's yeah, just it's, for yeah, we are just saving money, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no. Nothing else. And I think that there are roasteries that are like worth to, to try. Um, in your presentation, you said about, uh, you started off by saying, no, you do the dishes all the time. Um, and I have to say, good baristas do the dishes. That's, uh, good baristas have to do the dishes. It's, it's kind of the law. But what, what is your your standard role now within the shop? You know, you come back from Seattle as the highest placed Czech competitor ever. Um, do, do they now roll out the red carpet for you and you don't have to do dishes and you're carried around the town on a, uh, you know, on people's shoulders? Or, or is it still you're doing the dishes and working every day? Yeah, I would say I would make more dishes now. <laughs> no, uh, I think the role is the same as, as was before. And... Um, my role in general in my shop is like I'm the like managing the shop, so taking care that everything is okay. So that means I'm making my, how I said much more less coffee than I if I just work just as a barista here, because I need to take care of every stuff of the of the milk and there are a lot of things I wouldn't say all all of them, but in general keeping the the machine running. I mean the machine the whole shop because it's like every every people and has his, his role and it needs to go, keep going. So that's my role. You, you talked a lot about the kind of psychology of the shop and making people feel, you know, that, that comfortable and, and to enjoy the experience. Can you give us some examples of, of how you do that every day? So what kind of things, you know, these guys can take away to their shops as little things that can make people feel at ease and, and, and enjoy their coffee experience? I think we are trying to make a really big connection with them, and uh, I find a lot of friends in the coffee shop from the from the sides of the uh, of the customers. And I found a barber here, I, a photographer, and artist who gives me uh, tickets for the theater. So I think we are quite good at it, and it's a it's a big advantage of it to work in that because you meet a lot of different people in the one place and. The, the thing I like to connect them, the people, not just at, us with the customers, but also the customers by themselves. So we have the example that 
uh, our friend, the photographer, has broken the, the, his MacBook or whatever. And we know the second guy who is coming for coffee every day and he's working with apples. Not like the green apples, but <laughs> <laughs> the ones that grow on trees. <laughs> <laughs> so we connect them together to find uh, the new MacBook and so on. And it's funny because the, they are so glad that we connect them together and we like their engagement, new relationship, and that's the coffee about. Can I hop in? Yeah, I'm super curious about, say, I mean, you're also brewing the coffee and then you're going out to the customers serving the coffee by the table, mm -hmm. as I understand. Uh, yeah. Like we we do it like the customers come to the till or make an order, pay, yeah. and then take a seat if they yeah. they see. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, we do the same in our shop, and I found like just like I'm the exact same. Like if my train is late or whatever it is, I just want to know like okay, this is going to take three minutes. This is going to be you know I really would like an an idea about okay what am I what am I in for what am I waiting for? Do you have any like tips how we communicate this in like a positive way to the customer or how would you do it? How do you do it? The good thing in our shop is that we have just only one room so it's easy to like see the people the whole time uh, if it's not super crowded and it doesn't take much like long time and we, we don't have any troubles that we, yeah, we have with some people that uh, they are not the regulars mainly and they're sometimes like curious where is my coffee after two minutes if there is like queue and there is 20 people in front of them and after two minutes they are super curious where is their coffee so there are some examples of that but most of people are fine and they are waiting and we have we have no problems with that and we Sometimes I tell the people if they order filter coffee because if there is a lot of orders and like 10 filters, no, 10, that's lying, but like five filters before them and we have some espresso shots and so on, I'll just tell them until that it would take like six, six, seven minutes if they are okay with that. Uh, and sometimes they say, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, I'm, I have a lot of time. Or sometimes they said, okay, okay, so just give me like double espresso or Americano or something like that. But in general, we don't, we don't have much problems with that. Because after I was here last time, I met you, Dale, <laughs> uh, and we were having like a big discussion about um, whether brew batch brew or filter coffee. And we've been brewing like, yeah, the, for five years, we've been brewing everything on demand by hand. Mm -hmm. So, but now, just of the service aspect, we're actually, and we find the quality being uh, good enough for that as well. But now we're finally letting in the batch proof just for that yeah. like yep okay you would like it now service thing we we are solving this problem right now if to to take a batch brew in the, like especially in the mornings where it's a lot of people and or if to take another person to be like to to work in more persons or to take a batch brew and now we are more to take another person for that busy hours and the other thing is, batch brew can be delicious as well. Like, I, I'm a, I am such a fan of batch brew. Like, at the roastery, it's what we drink because we're too busy to brew coffee. You know, it's like we haven't got time because we've got to make it go brown. So just going over and going, Shh, it's delicious. So I, I definitely think the batch brew um, has its place. I've been a, an advocate for a very long time. But, but I think in general, in Czech, there is not big, um, uh, like, how to say, 
people are not too used to drink filter coffee. They they have the filter coffee connected with the bitter. I, I think I think we have the same problem, you know, in in the UK and and particularly in Ireland with 3FE. That there is a lot of batch brew in Ireland, mm -hmm. but it's all incredibly bad. So everybody just thinks it's bad. Mm -hmm. um, so it's actually harder to sell that. No, no, it can be good as well. Mm -hmm. it's, when you put good coffee in and brew it well, mm -hmm. but it's it's definitely a, a harder sell. Mm -hmm. um, Callie, I mean, I know you you uh, obviously had the shop. Um, what was your approach to the brewed coffee? Did you just have um, brewed by cup, or did you have a ball brew option as well? I'm 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 a huge fan of batch brew. That's that's what I usually have and, and what I love to drink. But we we didn't have batch brew since we're pretty small, um, so we did coffee shots. So filter coffee and espresso machine. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've brewed some of the best coffee I've ever made that way, yeah. hitting like 24% extraction. So it can be really delicious if you, if you make it well. So I've, I've, like, I had another group in my machine that was just configured for coffee shots. And so, so coffee shots for me are like the siphon brew of the coffee world. It's, everybody tells me they can make delicious ones, but when it comes to making me one, oh no, that one's not right. <laughs> it's every time I have a siphon or every time I have a coffee shop, oh no, it's not as good as the last one I did. And um, I've, I, I wish I'd had a delicious one so I could enjoy it too, but I've never had a delicious one. I mean, I definitely wouldn't start doing them, making them anymore, but that was also... Uh, I've only had one, it was good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Uh, what, what do you think about... So why didn't you have another then? Huh? Why, why didn't you have a second if it was so delicious? You've only had one. <laughs> because, because it's... when Honestly, because I've started to go into coffee shops and people want to talk to you about stuff, and then they end up like going, oh, here's an espresso, here's a whatever, and then next thing you know, you have a coffee shot and you have to drink the whole thing, and then you've had like 10 coffees. Mm. And then, yeah... That's, so, that's an occupation. Honestly, as, as coffee people know, you go into a, a coffee shop and you're interested in what they're doing, they start to make you everything, you know? It's, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I t I, we so were talking about this earlier. I try and sneak into them so nobody knows I'm going in. And if I wear blue, they just go, that can't be Steve Layton. So it's, <laughs> I, they don't bother me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's the worst thing. Though. Try this. I don't want to try that. Just keep <laughs> the stuff yeah. behind yeah. the bar. Yeah. But um, actually, coming back to Batch Brew, so I think many people seem to like about it, like it. But why? Why are there so few places actually serving it? What do you think? Is it? Is it? Is it about how you present a coffee? Because I have a feeling that many places um, want to serve pour-over coffees because it's is you make it for the customer, even if it would take longer. Mm. I mean, to me, it just doesn't really make any sense. Um, and and I think there's issues how we serve batch brew. Um, I don't have just any thoughts about that. Why? Why did you? choose making pour over instead of batch brew or, or single server? I think like the whole journey has been so important. Like even if we in the end will end up with only batch brew on so many specialty coffee bars, I think it's been super important that we've been like, no, this is actually coffee. It's fresh. It's a product I'm brewing for you and doing that communication. And that whole part has been so necessary. Um, or at least in, in our bar, and to communicate, like it was a way to communicate the coffee more. We're still, I'm using a bun, I'm still fine, like the Kalita brew we are brewing is still like a little better. Uh, very, like if we're reading our extractions and stuff, they are like very even. So, and I still find it being more, more tasty, but it's absolutely, I'm very happy with the, with the batch brew as well. 
So, Chris, um, you're leaving us shortly. No, I'm not leaving here, but like leaving to go back to the States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you going to carry on your working coffee? Is this something that you kind of see a future in? I, I know you've obviously been working so closely with Maxwell and become very good friends. Um, are you going to carry that on? Yeah, so the idea is that uh, if you can compile a body of work, it's, it's some sort of dog chasing his tail. If you can compile a body of work that's robust enough and demonstrates breadth and, and application and uh, interest to the funding agencies that, that give us grants indeed, that, and you can show them that you're capable of finishing projects, there is actually scope to apply for government funding to carry on actual research, as in perhaps a PhD student, perhaps a, a piece of equipment. And this is something that I, I want to do. This is something that is a weekend hobby right now, but it actually is a good application of physics and chemistry, and there should be no reason that you don't have good people working on problems that actually affect you know, your, almost everybody's life. So it, you're met with a lot of resistance a lot of the time because people want to spend government funds on cancer research or whatever. They see it as, a, as a, a greater problem, but I see coffee as a problem that people can relate to. And I think that if you put forward a strong proposal, I can actually maybe tailor it so that, yeah, indeed, no longer is it I'm going away, but actually it's going to be even bigger. That's the idea. Uh, I'm not going to be that far away. So Boston's only five hours away. It takes longer and a bad day to get from Cambridge to Bath. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, the idea is I, I'll still be around. Uh, one thing I find myself doing a lot of is designing signature drinks. So I, I get a lot of emails on signature drinks. So <laughs> that's something that's not going to go away, I don't think. Maybe you could charge for those services, you know. Nah, <laughs> nah, that's fine. It's fun. It's, it's enjoyable. I like, the, I like the challenge. Max's one was tough this year, so it was, it was fun. So, so what's the um, what, what's the work you're going to be doing uh, at MIT? Is it is it related in any way? Is it going to kind of because I know that what you've done at Bath has kind of it's kind of fed into your work as well a little, hasn't it? And there's been a crossover of yeah. uh, uh, of experience and knowledge from that. Is that going to be the same? Uh, no. Well, sort of. I mean, I work in materials modeling, so the idea is that. We take anything and we have a toolbox that we use on a computer and we have a background in chemistry and try and solve problems. What I'll be doing at MIT is actually much the same as an extension of what I do here, which is I try and design materials that are black. And the idea of that is that the black materials are generally good at absorbing sunlight. That's why they're black. And then convert that energy into electricity or into something else, and maybe something detectable, whatever. You see the wall. Yeah, the wall is black, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> it's actually, this wall is actually not black. This wall is uh, close to black. Even if it was black from paint, it's not black. It's very dark. You know when you get a pen and you dip it on a tissue and the tissue gets wet, it goes purple? It's actually because it's, it's very deep purple. So we want truthfully black, and uh, that's what I'm going to be working on, is making new materials for energy conversion. Yeah. Wow. Joanna, I, I, while we're talking about toolboxes and Chris's toolbox, I want to talk to you about the toolbox of the barista. You're giving the baristas this coffee, and you've roasted it the way that you feel it should be roasted. What tools do you think the barista has to get the best out of that coffee? What things can they change? And do you help and advise the, you know, with brew recipes and things like that to be able to dig into that toolbox? Yeah, we do. That's one of the main reasons why I always want to have 
our own coffee bar as well. So actually we managed like trying to find the recipes that we do recommend and work with it ourselves and figure how it's actually instead of only standing in a laboratory. Um, so we do send out, okay, those are the recipes on all of ours that we are using, but however, like you should always brew it as you like the most. So it's not, this is like, I'm not. Do you find there's a danger of you ending up, people do end up following that prescription almost of like, well, that's how Drop do it, so we must do it that way because it's their coffee. I know I've had experiences where we've done this for mm. customers at home using completely different mm. setups and go, it isn't working. It's like, well, it's not going to work on that machine. Um, do you find that that's... So you, you have to kind of keep that message of like mm. keeping playing with the coffee and enjoy the coffee. Yeah, play with the coffee, enjoy the coffee. Make sure, like, okay, that may be that thing. Like, okay, this can be... Uh, a little less soluble than if you work with something that is totally different. Um, so make sure you have the sweetness in the coffee. That's like, okay, make sure that is there. Otherwise, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm asking for a friend again, but um, this friend, he, he gets a lot of emails from customers saying, is that roasted for espresso or for filter? Mm. This friend that I know. How do you respond to that question when you get asked it? No, but I find it kind of easy. Um, it, it's not like it's it's not to me. It's not rocket science, really. It's just that I'm trying to. I mean, the coffee is tasty. It will not have any rose notes, and you can brew it for both. It's actually we're having so few discussions about it. It's just brew it, see how you like it. If you prefer another style for yeah for espresso, that's. But it, no, I find, like, in general, like, that the barista scene is very open-minded, um, actually. I'll let that friend know. Um, Callie? Uh, what about both of you as, as roasters? Is there, um, like, sometimes as a barista, when I, when I try coffee, um, I, I often have some opinion about it. Mm. Uh, is there some kind of a, a feedback you would, you would like baristas receive yeah. from baristas? All. Like it's really, it's like the, many baristas buying our coffees are, they are so very good. It really is like all of the feedback is super welcome all the time. And like it's, it's actually say some of our key accounts um, and some of our like, yeah, or brewing our coffee once or five times. I think Maxwell is serving our coffee now. At the moment. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like it's super like that was helps us to develop. Otherwise, we're just standing in our little bubble. And but I do find it like in general that everyone find it more easy to extract our coffee now, and that's what we've been like working with and and founding away with. So I think I think for me it's the, it's the only reason I get involved in barista competition is yeah. that is for that feedback loop because it's very difficult. The rest of the time to you know there's a lot of feedback that comes back and it's not necessarily constructive it's like you know they haven't tried things but when barista competition comes around we're looking at every little detail um, that's that's where i found the most things out about my roasting profiles the way that i'm working with the coffees you know and, and actually the properties of the coffees you know um, we had Tibor earlier when somebody was saying, there's apricot in here, there's apricot, and he didn't see the apricot. And all of a sudden, when you start getting those feedbacks, go, oh, well, maybe there is, you know, and you're going back and looking again and again and again. So I think um, feedback is, just, it's, it's so important, but it's how it's delivered. 
Uh, it has to be delivered with an... Uh, uh, it's, it's like me going to Chris and saying, oh, your study there is rubbish. Well, that doesn't say anything. It isn't, by the way. It's good. I, I, it has the Steve Layton seal of approval. But um, it's, it, coming back and just saying something isn't good doesn't help anybody. Mm. Coming back and saying, I liked this, but actually I needed to develop the sweetness. Or actually, is there any way you can bring out that lovely acidity that's sitting underneath? And you go, yeah, I can. I have tools in my toolbox that can do that. So, um, yeah, the it, feedback's so important. Yeah, but it's important both, like, professional baristas and, like, all the knowledge, like, everyone in this room is sitting up. It's super important. Like, I value that so high. But I also find it important, just, like, say, the, yeah, the average Joel somewhere in the, like, northern part of Sweden who always used to drink this, like, pot can of coffee. Like, how does they actually... Yeah, receive it. How how do they like it? How do say the customers at those restaurants? How do they receive it? What are their words of describing it? I'm putting up now like um, just for our production cupping to invite just one person come like on a schedule to come to join that just to not get like too much in our stealing that idea. It's it's pretty easy though to like be a shop and then blame the roast, right? It's, that's a pretty easy thing to do. When maybe it's not even you as well. Like, I don't want to be this guy, but the water is different everywhere. And if you roast for something... Always going on about the water. I know. Let I, the I water go, I, man. What's wrong with I, you? I didn't we want to do it. Grinding I there. tried we moved so on. hard to not say anything, but now I just have to. So, uh, the, 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 I mean, if you want to extract a lot, then you need hard water. And if you want to extract not as much, you can fix that by roasting differently for soft water, right? So when you get somebody from an account saying, hey, I didn't get this big, bright acidity, I, and you're like, well, is that because you are sitting in a bowl of lime scale? I, you know, is it because you actually didn't extract anything because your water's like Melbourne? So it, it's, hard to, it's hard to rationalize what is the best. I personally think extract the most you possibly can from the coffee and make it taste good. That's what I think. I, I remember my moment when water just made sense to me, and it was back in 2010, uh, and a lot of you will remember Colin Harmon's signature drink he used uh, in London, where he just made Americanos, but with the Chemex, and he used different, he used hard water and soft water to make the Americanos, and it was just like, I, what have I been doing my whole life? Mm. Like, why haven't I kind of got this and I agree you know what tastes amazing in the roastery can taste horrendous in somebody else's shop if they're not managing their water properly yeah or it's just even just just like that that's something that we I've found lots of times is that I live in this place that's got this ridiculous my my house was built in 1750 so the pipes are old and the water is awful and I can take your brightest cup of coffee and serve it to you, served the best possible way, made it the theoretically the best way, and you would be ashamed, right? This is, you'd say this is not good enough. But the reality is it is good enough, and the, the problem is actually lying with something that people can't, can't deal with at home or maybe at their shop. It's just different to yours. They're not in line. So I don't know. I think that's a really tough problem, the idea of, custom, of, of client feedback. And yeah. Yeah, but I find it like, okay, say if you have horrible water, absolutely, I mean, it impacts a lot. But still, I can see that we, like, most often are in, unless you have, like, horrible water, 
Like this is from my feedback from my mm -hmm. uh, customers. But if you're using like in in London, everyone is using osmosis. Everyone is, so it's like it will be slightly different, but it will like most often be within a certain square or a certain window. Sure, sure. So it's well. I mean, it's one of these things uh, that I I was thinking about was like, do you sell your coffee to everybody? Do you do you actually choose when someone comes to you and says, I want to do this, I want to buy your coffee. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Well, the thing is, when you're selling someone like on the internet, you don't have any control over that. That's true. You know, That's true. You know, people at home or people who are buying guests for the shop, you don't have any control over that at all. And mm. it's, it's really sad, you know. But wholesale customers, yes, very much so. If they're not doing a good job or the coffee's going to taste awful, you're not getting my coffee. Right. You, say, you, you just know. say that it's not working well there and you're no. doing a bad thing for my brand, yeah. right? Exactly. Well, yeah. it's not even my brand. It's the brand of the producer. So, you know, right. if, I, if I take taste coffee from uh, El Salvador La Illusion and I taste it and I go, that tastes horrible. I'm going to think every La Illusion tastes horrible. Right. You know? So it trickles so, all the way down though. Cause then, exactly. Yeah, exactly. so this is, this, is the, this is the thing. But then you don't want to get snobby about it either, do you? But then it's also, know. you know, you can't be in every shop every single day where your coffee's served. You don't know the barista that's on duty that day could be murdering it. And, you know, <laughs> that's the problem with coffee. It's, yeah. you know, it's not like the craft beer that's delivered in the bottle and it's exactly what the brewer wanted or the fantastic wine from the vineyard that does a great job every year. Sure. It's going to be different every time. Hmm. What What's the water like here in Prague, Adam? Is it... Is it now, is it horrendous like London, or is it uh, uh, drinkable? Uh, it's different in different part of the Prague. There's the different water because there's different source of water. Like we have two cafes, and one cafe has really nice water, and the second one is really bad water. So we have both sides of that, and yeah, we are struggling with the water very <laughs> much. I'll help you, buddy. <laughs> he wants to help you buy, everybody. You buy me a water. beer, and we'll talk about it. We'll fix it up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, the origin of Pilsner in Czech is because the water's soft. Couldn't extract the hops from the hops. So the, yeah, makes perfect sense now. It's all, it all settles in. So yeah, the, uh, the, you, I can imagine you have trouble in some places and have less trouble in other places. Yeah, it's cool. So the, the not blending part, I'm going to kind of go down there. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm, I am a, I'm a fan of blends, but I'm equally a fan of single origin. And if not more so, like I make blends for other people and I drink single origin myself. So I don't know what kind of person that makes me. But was it, was it a conscious decision not to blend? Did you just feel that you weren't doing the coffees a service? Or I know you touched on it with the Panama producer, for instance, that was shocked that you changed his coffee into something else. And do you ever see a time where you may go back to introducing blends again? No, I mean, I'm, I find it fun to play with it. And I saw now we haven't had um, roasting competition. It will be like in yeah next week. And I was actually a bit uh, eager to see like, oh, it's a blending part uh, that we haven't had before. So it's going to be super fun. Um, and, and I find it, but I don't know, like it's not really, like it's more about a, a, a vision and what I wish to communicate. Then I find it being very boring with saying, okay, this we have blended to create this instead of giving like kudos to the producers. So no, I never think that I will sell it. What's your favorite blend? 
My, my favourite blend is when you can bring two amazing coffees together and make mm. them, like, glue together. Mm. Like, getting them to actually work together can be... Um, it can be really exciting and, 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 and just such, so much more complex in an espresso. Um, you know, I, I love blending with naturals. Like, for me, naturals are just so much fun. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of... I, I, I do love blends, but it's a love-hate relationship as well because... You know, I want people to have that single origin experience too and be able to pinpoint it back to the producer, the part of the farm it came from, the varietal and all of those things. I mean, guys, how do we feel about blends? Um, I mean, Calais? Um, I mean, I mostly, in competitions in my shop, we normally use single origins. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do really like the idea and, and always been dreaming of making a, a really exciting blend with like four coffees for a barista competition and just trying if that could work out and, and what you could get out of that. Um, but I think for many roasters, blending is also only way to make it economically viable and, and keep some, some stuff. I mean, you would know that you roast quite a lot of coffee and you kind of need to have volume and, and, and kind of... But I guess what Joanna's doing here is replacing that that quantity with single origin, he's still selling the same coffee, you know, just selling it as a single origin and, and people are buying into that, I'm guessing. Yeah, but I would say that it push a lot of like, both like using this raw style, push a lot of like pressure both on like on the raw coffee all the time, both on, it, on its freshness, that you actually like, okay, if we should try to push all the flavors out instead of trying to hide anything really, then it's like all the time how, how so it's been like, I've been like really since the more I learn about roasting, the harder I become about uh, the raw coffees I'm buying. So. Well, while I was in Seattle for the WBC, I got to taste a lot of coffees backstage. I got to taste a lot of coffees at the competition, a lot of coffees around the city. And the best coffee I had the entire time on that trip was a hairbender from Stumptown in Portland. And I've not enjoyed hairbender for a long time. And I was like, just blown away by this just one shot of the blend that was just amazing. And it was great to kind of have that moment. It's like, I've had all those single origins that I've really enjoyed, but this is something special. And um, I think blends can have, they can do that. They can catch you off guard because you just think, oh, they're balanced, they're round, they're complete, they're bloody, all the words that we no, use no, with but blends. To, to like create a really good blend that is like, I, I mean it, like that can really be like equally good as any coffee or better or I don't know. But it's more say now what I'm doing. Like if you talk, if you ask about the raw coffee, if it's the same coffees we have now, then it's now put on like our like price list, wholesale price list. Like this is end of season because I still have some Rwanda left that I really want to push out and I've lowered the prices on. I'm super sure. Like if I I don't wanna come in that situation myself, so I'm starting to okay. But perhaps if a blend this together with that and that is like I find it harder to to yeah keep control of myself what about from kind of chemistry point of view Chris uh, you think of blends I think it's awesome but ho ho hold on uh, I do I just want to say it's funny that Steve said that his favorite one was not a uh, Malawi coffee yeah yeah thanks a lot by Steve you. <laughs> well, I, no, I, the Malawi I, was, I was lovely Callie you did an awesome <laughs> then, job anyway anyway uh, I, I, I'm going to trust you from now on as well. Should have used, used Hairbender. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, no. uh, there was a paper in Science. Did you see this paper in the 
gen genetic sequencing of, um, of, of coffee, I think, yeah. It was a science paper, right? I, I can't remember. Either that or nature. Anyway, the point, yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, so anyway, it's a very interesting idea. So, they, so, so some geneticists sequenced uh, coffee. So they wanted to look at the, I guess, quite simply, the genetics of, of a particular bean. And I don't remember whether they explored multiple different origins. I don't think they did. I think they just took one and they said, look at us, we can do this now. And I think that if we furthered that and really looked at the differences in biology in, the, in them, you might actually start to be able to speculate Maybe you can draw correlations between whether indeed you can blend two things. Maybe they maybe it's physically impossible to blend two particular varieties. Maybe they will always result at different temperatures. You're going to get something that's got a an acidity which counters a base that shows up in another one, and they will always kill each other. Always. Maybe maybe there is that. I don't know, but it'd be very interesting to see the biology of more than one. I don't, yeah, sorry, go, please. Uh, anyhow, like, say, if we talk about the grinding, I mean, we, were, we all agree that, like, okay, depending on how the bean is coming into the hopper, depending on, like, yeah, w what um, beans it is, um, even if it's from the same tree, everything, they will be different, but they will, however, be, like, more equal. Yeah. If I would blend, I mean, I cannot see that I, how I can extract a coffee uh, being like a blend, evenly, yeah, of, yeah, evenly, that is like a Brazilian coffee together with a teeny tiny heirloom from Ethiopia. Sure. So, what, there's been people who put like a separator in the basket, right? And that doesn't solve the problem. I. What, what about grinding them separately? And then mixing them together, but making sure the solubility is the same, and then just mixing them so they're, they're all just equally dispersed. I don't know. I, I don't know. That is actually what Pete Licata did in 2011, I think. Is that when he won? No. Huh. You came second. Don't do it. He, he's, he said it was pretty difficult. So it's grinding, useless. grinding something on the bottom and then something on the top, and to me, that just seemed quite ridiculous. Yeah, I, d I, I don't know. It, it's... I, I'm really into my malt whiskies, like in a crazy way. I've spent thousands of pounds on bottles of whiskey. It's like it's a terrible habit that I have. Um, and in whiskey, you have blended whiskey and you have, uh, you know, the single malts. And blended whiskies are just so frowned upon. Like you, you know, I, you wouldn't catch me drinking a, a blended whiskey. Yet for coffee, uh, it just seems to be kind of what we do and yeah it's, it's it's a really interesting point that you raised in you know in kind of what you're doing there of like no we're going to do this and we're going that way um and i think that's something that's been in common with all of the speakers today that we're all very single-minded very focused people it's like there is no one way that is the the definite right way we've got to do these things we can um the market decides if we're going to survive or not or, and and do what we're doing um going to wrap up because we are running out of time here but i kind of wanted to just touch on the barista guild part of the event and, and what we've been doing here um and what's the one thing that from you know the barista guild events that have been going and, and these going forwards that you'd like to see push forwards we've talked about education we've talked about the fun socializing element what what's the one part that you would like to see barista guild going and i'm, I'm going to start with you adam and, and work down uh I would say I like that part, like um, I think the, the best of this event is that uh, the people meet, they, they share their knowledge and they share their point of views because um, 
there is no telling the truth and what, what is bad, what is good, but sharing or discussing the point of view that I have different point of view on something, that's good because then we can discuss it. And from the discussions can come up some idea and that's I like on that collaboration. And it's handy if they do it on your doorstep as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. so if you have to travel anywhere. Uh, Joanna, is there anything uh, that you'd like to see the direction of this go in? I mean, I couldn't see uh, enough of this. Just this is so, still so many like topics uh, left, it feels like. And so many forums and each year, like we, all of us do develop, we learn more, we go back to our counters and try it out and then we come back. So it really is like, I could do this like each week. Um, so. I couldn't. <laughs> it's took an awful lot of organizing. Jen, do you want to do it every week? Yeah. No, but perhaps that it could be fun with like some pure studies, like to actually like, oh, okay, well then we try this. So it like becomes more, I mean, it's super scary to write something down on print, but at least like, okay, those are to build up a portfolio in a way of knowledge to actually like, okay, so Adam went home and tried, uh, yeah, those grinders you've already done the research on, but more like to actually build some, some, um, practical base up. It's a bit harder for you, Chris, I guess, because, you know, you're, you're not, you, you are part of our community because we've accepted you with open arms, but you Thank obviously you. come from a different, uh, a different perspective. But kind of, I mean, is this a good opportunity to be able to talk to the coffee community and share what you've been working on? Yeah, uh, there is, there is, I, I, I have this idea, right? So people sometimes send me data. Like, hey, I've logged all of my extractions for the last year, and I wanted to show you these. And the problem is with that is, is I look at this, and I think this is a great opportunity here when I'm speaking to you face-to-face -to, -face to talk to you about this data. So it's, it's cool. But then I have this idea, actually, that everybody in the room likes to experiment with coffee, right? So you, this is, for me, this is an interesting idea to, like, maybe somehow crowdsource people doing controlled experiments, but getting people all over the place to perhaps, maybe it's logging extractions, maybe it's doing something, but doing it the same every time, so that in this room alone, you could get so much if it was all controlled. You could get so much more than one or two or three people or even 10 people could do, that it is actually kind of an interesting, I'm sort of thinking about it in my head right now, it's like maybe it would be an interesting paper for people to see the average extraction of an Ethiopian coffee in the year 2014, right? What, and you have like a spread and you say, oh, this year Ethiopians, were, we, we liked high extractions from Ethiopians. And that would be really cool, but something like that. You know, if you got everybody together to do it, I don't know if it's useful. I don't know if people are interested in partaking in it. I don't know. But for me, I come here and I see a lot of people so yet it, uh, who, who, wanna, who wanna do things and that are doing things. So I think it's, for me, it's fun to see applied science, so more of that, but maybe even if we did a controlled thing, then actually it becomes real, as in like you can put it on. I don't mind putting it on paper. I like putting it down, yeah, so, and that, yeah, so I think it's, uh, yeah. That's great. Uh, this has been a really fun day. Uh, I feel like I've got lots of questions in my head that I'm going to ask you all at the bar. So thank you very much, a big round of applause.